Welcome to Learning CDH, the podcast dedicated to teaching you everything you need to know about Competitive Commander. I'm your host, Matthew, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Eric. And today we are talking about uh, a little bit less of a focus on CDH gameplay and the metagame and more on some like current events and upcoming really exciting news and changes that are both like concrete in the books happening for the format and also some stuff that we're expecting to see and maybe some predictions that we're going to lay out for what we expect to see going forward of the next year or so in this in this crazy hugely growing format before we get into that i want to give a quick shout out to all my amazing patrons over on patreon you get access to early episodes like this over here you get access to merch discounts to my merch that we got over on spring it's pretty cool. Check it out if you like CDH and Rogsai and all these other cool decks. If you enjoyed this video, like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you like, what you want to see next time. And let me know what your predictions are for CDH over the course of the next year. The Command Tower software by Eminence Gaming is perfect for hosting your own TCG events with features such as easy to create event registration for four player and 1v1 Swiss based games. Event management has never been so simple, and it's web-based, so no downloads required. Sign up for just $5 at eminence.events slash subscribe. So first things first, the big news we wanted to talk about last time, and we just couldn't cover it because the quarterly updates are like our most structured kind of stick to it things that we do. Uh, and that is the new top deck circuit. So if you're not aware, this is brought to you by Eminence Gaming, topdeck.gg. EDH Top 16, turns out they do a lot of the cool things that we end up talking about here on the channel. This is a new way to turn both the uh, premier large size eminent sponsored events that we're used to seeing, as well as uh, you know the larger online events and even small regional and local events and really tie all of those things together into a circuit that promotes people playing in all of these events, attending a whole bunch of events all throughout the year. This is going to be lasting from this November, I believe, to next August. I think it's a 10-month uh, circuit. Mm -hmm. And you will be able to earn points based on your attendance at certain events. And we're going to go over exactly how this breaks down. This is scaling all the way from the very bottom of 16-player locals and there's a bit of a scaling tier list of how these uh, how these affect you and how you can earn points, and all the way up to the big now like 200 plus people tournaments. And I think this is like the most exciting bit of news that we've had in CDH, maybe ever. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I mean, without without tooting our own horn, this is something that we suggested, and by no means is this the reason why this is happening. But we made us just a suggestion statement that CDH, because of the dynamic ability of the decks and the personalities that are in CDH, and just how everything's pretty much covered by a large scale with social media, mostly uh, Twitter, I would say, I guess X now, but you know, there's a lot of information that's shared. Obviously the Discord, there's Discords and all this other stuff. It was just an interesting concept to think that there could be something close to a pro tour that wasn't as hard to get onto for CDH to grow, which ultimately would be a culmination of multiple people getting together and creating and diversifying and building this community even more so. And then that was pretty much scoffed at and you know, you know, they'll never happen. We don't know what we're talking about, you know, blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, here we go. 
you know, and what I expect is just the growth of CDH to continue because of this. This is a really, really excellent way to, again, grow the community, not just from a tournament standpoint, but I think just to interconnect people. Because whether people realize or not, we are still like in this like weird, like post like 2020, like magic world where it's, I feel like it's rebounded quite a bit, but we're still not quite to, I think the full capacity of it uh, in certain areas. So I think this again, helps, really helps this community kind of like bridge the gap versus like, you know, just playing in your locals or having to travel across the country. And if you don't make it to that one tournament, you kind of miss out. Now there's just going to be a nice multitude of events to go to that basically kind of resemble like states, regionals, PPTQs, PTQs, Grand Prix, um, you know, it, it really resembles that whole structure. So I'm excited for one. I think this is excellent, like a, like a home run. I've talked about, so this last month, I guess, was like my one year anniversary of CDH content. And I have talked about like a big thing. If you watch some of that old content, you'll see me talk about how the next five years will be the biggest of CDH. It's going to be an explosive growth. And this is absolutely the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like the whole reason, you know, we do learning CDH and I did uh, learn to play. And trying to make accessible content is because I wanted to be there helping the growth of the form. Because I think it's so ripe for this kind of stuff. There's so much there. And there's like, as we see, like Commander being the biggest format by far, just that is magic as we know it right now. There's clearly interest in doing that to, you know, like a competitive degree. For a lot of players, what they're excited about with this might be different. I think that's another cool aspect of it because like, for me, the thing that I, I that immediately stands out is like small stores have this extra one incentive to try to run CDH events. Uh, they have this partner that they can work with to help them manage and run their events. And they have an incentive for players to show up. Just having that reason to keep people going to the next event and going to the next one and going to the next one and just keeping that like interest level engaged and giving some people a a way forward into into like the competitive sphere of it, especially like if you're someone who can't always show up to like a cookout or Silicon Dynasty or whatever, having that ability to compete online and like at your locals and have that contribute towards your ability to come to go to this massively awesome invitational event. I think it just all ties together into a lot of small things that have led to just like this huge boon for the community. And I think that is how we ended up here also like this time last year or even just earlier this year there's just a little thing here we get edh top 16 we get uh you know slightly larger online events we get uh the command tower software that's making a really pushing forward like a standardization of what we expect for a cdh tournament and we even saw not to try to promote you know push controversy we saw that the i i think a, a moment that proved just how important and um, expected an aspect of the community and like CDH command tower has become because there was a big tournament that was ran without it. And it was just considered it was just like everyone was just wondering why, like everyone just like, what do you what is the reason for this? And when when things aren't going great for they're pointing out like, hey, you could have just done this. Hey, we have this great way to do it. We don't have to compete over it. That's one thing I've, I've liked about how Eminence has approached things where they're not in opposition of like, hey, look what we can do and you guys don't have access to this because they, they very much could have just been like, hey, we have this awesome software. We're going to use it. Our events are going to be better than everyone else's because we're going to have access to this stuff. But that's not what they did. 
yeah, I, I think we maybe have uh, rambled enough about just the, the broad strokes of it. Unless you have anything else to touch on before we hop into the, the details of how exactly the system works and what this event's going to look like. Yeah, just really quick. I think you hit it on, you hit the nail on the head. Grassroots is, I think the, to me for like any kind of like gaming culture, uh, this, I've realized this with like fighting games, especially back in the day when like you had to like go into like some like dark basement to like do these fighting game tournaments and stuff. I I think it's really interesting because CDH has a, a kind of a similar culture to the grassroots effect of that. And it's interesting because how large commander is, but mm-hmm. this, this right here is where I like to see because it's, it's grassroots based. So again, for the, let's say the West coast people, that's really hard to come to the East coast, maybe playing some of these like bigger events, even though that they, you know, just for whatever reason, the travel, the airfare is tough or whatever that may be, but they also might have like the 40 to 60 people tournaments on a regular basis, just not the 160 plus. This right here kind of fixes that. It gives them a reason to grind those tournaments out and really enjoy that. So they're still playing, you know, four plus rounds. So it's not just like, okay, this part of the community is like locked out because, you know, they're not coming to the bigger events. This fixes all that. Now, granted, there's obviously greater incentive to go to these big events and we'll go into like the point structure and all that stuff. But I just think that's a phenomenal way to, again, bridge that gap and get back to grassroots because that's, to me, ultimately the growth of magic. Yes. Yeah, one thing I, I I really point out with like, again, coming from like an FGC background was like, the thing that everyone can relate to is the excitement for the next thing that's coming. We've seen that just in the course of this year, kind of like absolutely be like cemented as the case in CH, where every like three months we're just talking about the next big event that's coming. And then they just keep coming quicker and quicker. But there's still just like that excitement of just like who's going to come out on top at, you know, Top Deck Expo or whatever is the next big event. And you get to also the, the cool thing about like the scaling sort of uh, structure that they have is that you also get that on the smaller scale of just like, yeah, I'm excited as a spectator for, you know, something like a Silicon Dynasty 2 that I'm not going to get to attend. And I'm excited to see how that's going to go out. But then I also get that personal excitement of like, oh, I get to attend my, uh, you know, event that's maybe like 30 minutes or an hour away at a nice store that's getting like, oh, we got a silver tier event going on or we got a gold event that I get to look forward to. And it's kind of given us at least sort of a, um, I guess, a vocabulary of what to use like. I wouldn't be surprised if this time next year, it's just like a common thing to talk about an event as like, yeah, I'm going to a silver event up in wherever. All right, you know, I'm doing this emerald event. I'm doing this gold event. So what these points are for is uh, this invitational event that I believe has not been disclosed where it's going to be yet. Uh, there's still details to become on to come on that. It has a base prize pool of $10,000. So it's at the very least, assuming nobody runs any tournaments over the next year, a 10k for cdh and that prize pool is going to scale based on every bronze silver and gold partner that they have during the uh the circuit so it incentivizes again another way to get people to just know like hey thinking about running an event you should try it out and then every time that you do one will help you run it well you can use topdeck.gg to have a way that people can be directed to your event and know about that it's happening and then also like that feeds into our like we help you and it it helps us it's going to scale our events and our price structure going forward to the invitational so the main structure of these events is that again this is an invitational tournament that you earn points to be able to attend events work on a five-tier structure in terms of how you earn points for them and how they're classified we have Bronze events, which are 16 players or more. These are your smallest scale local events. Uh, And silver events, 
which are 32 players or more. And they've uh, clarified that these are sort of the same kind of events. And if you're a bronze event, you don't have to mark an event as a bronze event. If you get more than 32 people, you know, if you just it ends up turning into a silver event, it will be counted as a silver event. You have Emerald events, which are 60 players or more online only events uh, like your Mox Masters, things like that. You have gold events, which are partnered events with eminence that are 60 players or more in person. These are paper events that go down. And then you have Platinum events, which are the official Eminence events like Cookout, Top Deck Expo, Silicon Dynasty, Punt City, those sort of 160 to 200, whatever size events. And you earn different points. So uh, we'll have the graphic up on the screen here. One thing I really like is that if you even just show up to a bronze event, you get five points. I guess if they have more than 16 people, then you might not earn points. But very easy to just show up to one of your locals and at least earn some amount of points for this. And yeah, so you earn five up to 70 points at a bronze event, up to 100 at a silver event, up to 250 if you win an emerald event, 275 if you win a gold event, and 500 if you win platinum. It will be like a leaderboard set up. So you'll have like a limited amount of the platinum qualifications for the winners. So those will lock into place. And then the rest of it's based on the leaderboard. So that, again, very cool. Reminds me a lot of the SCG tour. Really excited about like how that structure. I think it's going to be awesome to spectate who's going to already be like in the top five and stuff or, or whatever that looks like. It's really neat just based on that whole like platinum thing. Now it's not like where top 16 is the threshold now for just like, okay, my deck top 16, I did the thing. Now there's like real validity to like we discussing actually the last episode is like oh wow i came in 40th place and so there's real incentive to just continuously play to try to get even if you're not top 16 to squeak out those points to elevate your points because big difference between 33 through 64 and 17 through 32 Mm -hmm. that's 40 point difference between like 70 and 30 so I think that's exciting. That to me is excellent. Like I am beyond excited for just the ability to be not necessarily rewarded financially because that's not why I play, but to be rewarded points wise, because now you're actually playing for something. So it's like they took the feedback that we kind of like that people kind of gave it the cookout, you know, to heart and they were able to implement the ability to continuously play. And there's a reason to continuously play in these bigger events, like especially like the last two rounds, even if you're not top 16, it's really exciting. I definitely like having a nice scaling effect on earn, like being able to earn something for showing up. Like we had talked about, like like you said on the last episode of just like, there's not, once you get to like that 64 ish mark and you know, you're not going to make top 16, it can feel like kind of defeating. That's I think part of that was like the big draw of redemption events where if people are like, Oh, I can't top 16 immediately drop. And then when there isn't a redemption event or scheduling on it is weird or people don't know if they even want to stay for a side event, you don't really have an incentive to stay and keep playing Magic, which is like a big negative, I think, of a planned weekend at this big event that you, you know, maybe you only get to attend once a year or twice a year. And having something to show for it, especially if you're someone who maybe gets to one of these events and then you play in locals and online, you know, adding like 70 points because you got top 32 that, you know, it's the equivalent of like winning, you know, you do that. You get a top 16 on an online event. You maybe win a couple locals. You're starting to like scale yourself up, maybe be able to, you know, qualify for, or at the very least you got something for your time. And uh, it gives you something to to play for and, and fight for and keep the competition going. Even at those pods where you're just like, oh, we're all 0 and 3 or, you know, 1, 3 and 1 or whatever. Uh, and it just keeps the magic being played. I think that is easy to miss out on and having a reason 
that doesn't really cost them anything is, uh, is a, re- a really cool idea for a circuit like this. We talked about the size of events. One way you can qualify for the Invitational is a winning one of these events. The next way that you can do so is you can qualify based on the leaderboard like Eric was talking about. So at the end of this circuit, uh, when they're getting into the Invitational event, the top 56 players in terms of score based on events happened throughout this 10 months, they will qualify for the Invitational and they'll be extended an invite and get to compete in this really large, really prestigious, like what will almost certainly be the highest level of competition we've seen in CDH. This is going to be a, a crazy event where only the best players show up. Really awesome. But then also, so I'm assuming kind of based on the structure here that they're expecting four platinum events roughly and then I can't say for sure, but there's this there's a wild card also, which is a voting if you're similar to like um Summit, what what they do with um you know, like over on they'll do Twitch streams for like the one I usually will watch be like Melee, where players um earn points or invitations throughout the year, but then also they'll have like a voting process where players who, you know, didn't quite make it or are just like popular characters online, basically, uh, will get to be voted for and get also get to come to these events and compete. I'm kind of assuming there will be two to four probably wild cards selected, is, is what it sounds like, how it'll break down. Four-ish platinum event winners and then wild card winners, maybe based on if there's repeat platinum event winners, you know, maybe these numbers will scale or change. So those are the three ways you can get an invitation to this event. Win a very big event, do well enough uh, among events over the 10 months to qualify based on points. So the third option, you need to still be close to potentially being in the top whatever. Like you got to be kind of close. You can't just be like, I've never competed before and somebody <laughs> voted on, you know? Okay. Um, so it, and it looks like because it's going to be like whatever the platinum events, like you said, and then there's going to be 56 players based on for points. Mm. So then wild card. So it looks like maybe a, a 64 player tournament more yeah. likely. So that's that's really exciting. And if you really think about it, like, sure, like I can name like, you know, the top 15 ish players. But man, you're getting down to like past uh, top 15, 20 players. And there's lots of good cdh players um just in general but that that's really interesting because now you're like really kind of like digging deep into like these you know people who are grinders who may not necessarily like win the event but they're always like a top 16 or they're like right on the cusp of it where they're probably hitting on like a platinum between like 70 and 225 points or something like that so i think it really rewards those players that are consistent that makes sense yeah, and, and that's going to be a big thing. And I think when you have something like a leaderboard, we talked about like storylines being a thing. That's absolutely a major factor of this event. It won't just be like, this will be a cool option for people because a lot of people don't necessarily even want to consider an invitational seat. Like they're not thinking, I'm a grinder type. I can't wait to try to qualify for this event. They're thinking like, oh, I wonder who's going to make it. Like, you know, when you they're thinking of players they really like, like Freedom Waffle or Zane or uh, Ian, who is almost a Shuren, it seems like, to make it. Bosch and Roll. Like, it will be really exciting to see, like, there will absolutely be people on Twitter just talking about, like, oh, my God, is Brian Cook going to make Or, like, whoever is, like, on that cusp. That's where the real excitement, I think, will happen for a lot of people. And then when, like, uh, you know, a random person just spikes in a tournament and wins, like, a platinum event, then it's, like, this big shakeup of just, like, oh, now 
who can even show up at this event has just like changed up because this guy just jumped ahead. I, I think it's going to be really sick and, and having that thing to look forward to and that like excitement that's always happening and creating storylines is a major, major part of actually building an audience for like a competitive game or sport or whatever. Well, yeah, it's like if you if you know, gaming aside, if you want to look at like just sports, for example, like anybody watches like the NFL right now, you it's like, all right, cool. The San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the league. We got it. Right. You know, but now it's like we're kind of getting close to that midseason mark of like who's going to make a big run or a big push. Who's going to get hot that second half of the season? What adjustments will they make? And then who's going to squeak out those wild card rounds to basically try to get into it? Because once you're, you know, seeding aside, but once you're in the playoffs, it's a whole new game. So you may not necessarily be like the top whatever percent of players, but like as long as you made the tournament at that point, it's a whole nother system. That's why we've seen so many times where the best teams or the the teams with the most records in like sports, they don't end up necessarily always winning the Super Bowl or whatever that may be. It's whatever team cuts it on at the right moment and plays consistently. And I think this right here will reward consistent play. And, you know, obviously anybody can, you know, just snag a turn one win or something crazy <laughs> like that but regardless you know i think it's going to be quite interesting and it's going to be as a competitor myself i am really excited that i get the green light to play in this um, i'm pumped so i get to travel and play like starting in november and then also just from a content perspective like we get to talk basically we get like infinite content now yeah like this is great. We, we've seen like the player profiles pop up on on Eminence. So like what this really focuses in on, like we talked about, instead of like looking at your win rate or whatever across a million games, which is like a useful metric for a player to have. But being able to know like roughly how well, how consistently good of a tournament performer you are based on just like a raw number that we can look at. It will be like a great point to see like, oh, we'll be able to see wow, there's a lot of players on this deck who have a lot of points. We'll be able to like have this extra way to view the game over a course of what I would consider, you know, a 10 month spree of a lot of events. We're not really sure how many there's going to be, but that's going to be a lot to look at. And especially at like the the bigger events of just like, I don't know, it's going to be it's going to change the way I think that we think about tournament CDH because it's like it's also a way to not have an event sort of be like a flash in the pan of excitement that doesn't matter anymore after like a month because your results from that event in January will matter in August and getting rewarded for that consistently is just pretty cool. This is I mean, not confirmed, but likely going to be one of the biggest payouts for a CDH tournament we've seen. Don't know how the pricing structure will work, so don't hold me out on that. But like first place is probably walking away with something pretty nice. It's probably safe to say. And I would not be surprised if something like this. I mean, we talked about the Pro Tour. And one thing about the Pro Tour is uh, it gives Magic players incentive to show up and win. When you do that, you open up for a lot of bigger and like tougher competition. So it would not be surprising. I don't think if we start to see, and we're already seeing some people trickle in from like sort of the pro side of magic coming in. First, it started with like some of the legacy grinders. Now we have Sam Black, uh, who's about to play in Top Deck Expo, I think their first big event. And I would not be surprised if you have a big circuit that is paying out you know, decently and rewards players for consistent performance in what is considered a relatively high variance way to play magic that you start to see more of those people start to trickle in from 
the you know the pioneer and the standard grinders and the mtgo guys coming in and flexing on these cdh players who think they know something <laughs> um and showing them how it's done yeah uh i agree with that i think that's really funny i think what what is to me the most exciting about is i want new eyes on cdh and fresh growth you know because once you get like, if you look at the Pro Tour, the Pro Tour had these really cool testing houses, right? They would all get together. And I and and I think that we'll get something really close to that. I think it's already kind of there, but it will be more, maybe more pronounced, especially for the like the big final event. Like I always joke and say like, if anybody like Pat Chapin was to like pick up CDH, I'm pretty sure you know, some of the stuff that we think we know or, and I'm the former 60 card player myself, but to the level of those kind of like V Moshwitz, like the Patrick Chim, the, the, like the, the, the brains of the game mm. who like revolutionize like thoughts and concepts and stuff. And Sam Black's to me is one of those, you know, even Matt Sperling. And then now they come in and they just like really take a look at the format and they go, actually, like, this is a super underexplored commander. And they just like show up and they just start like going off with it. And I just think that to me, that's really exciting. That's the exciting part for a player and a viewer, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and a spectator. So it's just seeing the revolution growth of the game from a deck building perspective. And CDH has very much changed, like philosophy wise, in terms of the types of cards people play or the quality of cards, uh, even if there are decks that were already established. I think this year was the first year of the rest of, of CDH's life, I guess is one way to put it, where something Drake Sasser likes to talk about is like pressure on a format. He always brings up now there's pressure on CDH, the more events there are. And it's definitely really been the case. Like this has been, I would consider this like the first year. We saw a little bit of it on the back half of last year of like real consistent, relative high level competitive focus on this game and pushing it really far and if you're new to cdh it might seem like if you if you got into here like march and you started watching these videos and you know seeing how things were you might get the perception that like this is how cdh has been but this wasn't really a tournament oriented format like a year especially two years ago where there were cdh events but they weren't like what i would describe as like the culture of cdh or like what's always on people's minds or what people are discussing like the way that we look at decks now and evaluate them is in the context of a tournament. People like to put apart tournament EDH and CDH. And I think that's mostly from a play pattern perspective, how those things, those things play out differently. You will do things differently in a tournament, but the way that people are building decks is still very much informed by what is doing well at events because we're seeing a higher level of consistency. We're seeing groups like the cabal and other like sort of discord focused testing groups really push decks and have consistent results of a whole bunch of different players within these like, you know, uh, testing houses that are able to consistently show like, hey, you can do this new thing with this deck and, and, and push it and show that there is more to offer. And like Eric was talking about, when you get a new person in here, Eric is always talking about how when once Reed Duke shows up and reinvents Corvold, it's going to be game over for him. Um, and that I'll is just lash up whatever Reed's doing. So you know. <laughs> it is really exciting because it's easy to think if you're looking at things from just like the ground floor level that we already figured things out. And but we thought that last year and we thought that the year before that. And it continues to be shown to be the case that we don't. And then also there's more literally more magic cards put out every year than the previous year. 
that that's that's the state we're in so the game being solved doesn't isn't the exciting part it's pushing towards that goal that might not ever happen but that we can see like a, a real focused development on because like if you think you play a lot these are pro magic players they don't do anything else uh that it's going to be i don't know if it'll be next year when we see like a whole bunch of people show up but Assuming like a circuit like this happened the year after that, like this is a huge success, which I imagine it will be. I definitely think we're going to see more people trickle in and I would not be surprised if it's like a common thing to see within the next two years or so really high level magic players turning their heads over to CDH and uh, competing at what continues to be like larger and larger events. Yeah, especially to like what 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 I've learned is like a lot of the competitive players, they like to solve formats or attempt to solve a format in CDH is some people think it's solved. Some people I don't think it's even close to being solved. I think uh, we know what a lot of the good cards are, but in yeah. terms of the way to perform and stuff, there is, I mean, just the decks I play, like I can take out like 20 cards every day. And while the like there's 80 cards core of the deck that's the same, those 20 cards really matter in the structure in which the way the deck plays. But for me, like I got tired of 60 card formats, you know, mostly just like standard because standard was really boring, like for the for a while. It was just like, OK, what mid range blue green X creature did they print or what big spell did they print that you have to play this card or, you know, when before that card and if there's nothing in between. What's the point of playing the format? And then Legacy's a little bit different, but I don't know. Legacy's starting to see like a lot of the same deck and cards and Orcish Bowmaster. <laughs> it's it's orcs and beans over there. Orcs and beans and one rings. There we go. Orcs and beans and one rings. You know, you know, bring back uh bring back Ragavan and Renin Six and oh, those guys. <laughs> show, show those decks what's up. But uh, and Deathrite Shaman. Let's go. I need four Deathrite, four Ragavans, four Ren and Six. Uh just I, I'm good. I can play and Bowmaster. I can play John right there. But you know, seeing the evolution of what these players can do because you know just they just have a really good comprehensive skill of designing and looking at decks and then you know seeing pressure points in the games and those type of things i just want to see it like yeah. i think that's really interesting and it's not going to be like some huge mass wave but also it probably scratches a thirst and a curiosity at least it did for me you know of just like oh wow you can kind of do these things over here that you can't do in a 1v1 high pressured situation where like you know if you don't hit your land drop you're just out of the game you know those type of things and you know granted you want to still like have adequate mana sources in siege but lands aren't everything you know mana crypt exists and play mana crypt in all your decks even if you play collector roof play mana yeah. crypt there's definitely like an inherent like tension, just like just in a 90, you know, 100 card Highlander format, this re like very real tension of like trying to figure out how you want to approach a format with that much inherent variance, accounting for that and still making a deck that consistently does the thing I want to do creates what I think a lot of like you'd mentioned people who like to solve a format. It makes that really, really difficult to the like to like, I want to know what it what it would look like, not just so that I can play the deck just to be like, what's the th like just the the way that a lot of these players like just think about magic is just so different. And seeing like different minds look at it is just really exciting to think about like, what is it that we're missing? Because we're all looking at the same cards. We all have access to these same magic cards, but you're, you know, we all have like different biases. And when you come into the format, you kind of build like this expectation of what the game looks like to you that you might keep with you. And uh, it can make it really easy to not really get that there's maybe way more to this than it looks like for us. That is also exciting. And then just like the continual scaling of CDH and just like it seems like next year is likely to have you know we just had 
LotusCon, which I think was the biggest in-person tournament in, in North America, I would not be surprised if that record was broken two or three times next year if some of these events want to do that. And I would especially really like to see, I don't imagine this circuit will, but like I would love to see like an eminence event in Europe. The, the European players have had it down so bad having to stay up so late to compete in these Mox Masters and Chaos events. Please throw them a bone and just have like, you know, what, whatever kind of at least one over there of North America. And just like, we're going to probably next episode dive into other metas in other countries. That is like the next, next level of like, once we get to like international, like consistent international competition, probably not next year again, within the next five years. Oh man, when you have like all the Japanese players showing up and like <laughs> really showing out. Just, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, so first off, if you are... Uh, international and you play CDH or you know of like the the tournaments and stuff in CDH and let's say they don't use command tower send them send me the deck list send me whatever term results you got I'll take any size but uh still I think that's kind of like maybe the the last piece of the puzzle we really need is not just everybody on the same software because it makes it easy to look things up on edhtop16.com but that way we can just kind of find out like more of like more of what the tournaments is going on instead of like me having to like trying to dig through the archives because Haruyo can't be the only place in Japan that's hosting tournaments. Uh, and granted, they typically put on some pretty big tournaments and stuff like that. And it's just, again, I'd like to see Brazil. I'd like to see, you know, Japan. Are there events in China, you know, going on that I don't know about? I'm, you know, I don't know how to look for or find these like deck lists and stuff like that. And obviously stuff like Europe. So, and then like, I know Australia just hosted like one of their first big CDH events. I think it was like 64 plus people somewhere around that. And that's huge. Australia slinging some magic. Let's go. I'm especially some CDH. That's exciting. So that's what we need to do. And that's what will be really exciting in, the, in a later episode of just kind of diving into the different metas and what those decks kind of look like, you know, across the world. So relatively short episode. We mainly wanted to cover a lot of this info that I think is going to be really critical. And it's like, Again, if you're not really on Twitter, you might have missed out on some of this. If you're interested in more of the details of the this series or you run a store or you want to run your own events and you'd like to partner with us, they make it very, very easy to do. Go over to topdeck.gg slash champion dash series dash 2024. That link will be in the description. You don't have to type it all out. And they will have uh, links to learn more about this how to become a partner. Again, they make it really easy. Last I heard, they have a lot of partners already uh, signing up to do events. They describe more about the tournament tiers, some of their other, like, again, they already have stores listed as gold partners on the website. Uh, get yourself listed on there as well. And they have a current up-to-date prize pool that is will show it's scaling as we know. So it's not just a mystery when once we get to the invitation on what the prize pool is, we get to see that grow as this uh, series gets bigger and bigger and uh, the stakes get raised even more and more. Thank you for checking this out. Thank you for watching. Uh, if you enjoyed this video, let us know down below. Let me know what you're excited about with this series or just the future of CDH, especially from a tournament perspective. And are you going to plan to try to qualify? Is this going to kind of get you out to your locals, maybe get you out to a regional? 
definitely if you get the chance to, not just because I'm sponsored. I love to cook out way before they sponsored me. If you can get to attend one of those big eminence events, absolutely go. It's going to be awesome. And now you also get that little bit of incentive. If you top 32, if you, you know, top 16, especially if you win, you get this huge prize on top of your prize that you already earn. Super excited for all of that. With all that being said, thank you for watching. Go play CDH and go play in CDH tournaments. Have a good one.